0: So let's look at Psalms 138 eight two. He says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now that as we look into your word tonight, help it uh, to be clear and understandable to everyone. Lord, this is now a personal thing To speak to each and every heart as we proceed into this service in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. I've always been struck by the thing that he has said that he has exalted his word above even his name. And he's talking about worshiping God towards his holy temple and praising his name for his loving kindness. But at the name of Jesus, Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 through 11 tells us, That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, since the Bible tells us that, and you think, wait a minute. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Psalms 33, he spoke the worlds into existence. And, and, and the word made flesh. But now, when we think of Jesus Christ, the creator, the God, the creator of heaven and earth. And he says he's even exalted his word above his name. That tells us the importance of the word of God. And so uh, we just find that there are warnings, even in the, as far back in the book of Revelation, Proverbs chapter 30, and there's warnings throughout the word of God of not adding or taking away from his word. You don't add to it, you don't take away. Now I know that uh, today you have many that say, well look, we have the word of God preserved for us today in all the manuscripts, both the good ones and the bad ones. No, that doesn't make sense. Imagine you're driving a BMW, and I have the schematic for a Ford Pinto. A car's a car. Why don't you use this to fix whatever your problem is? Okay. Actually, that makes more sense than trying to say everything came from this. Uh, It just comes together. Grab here, grab there, figure out what you like, and take it. No. No. God is the author and finisher of our faith, not us. Okay, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, we gave you an example of that this morning of how men can mess things up. Remember, in uh, the Daniel chapter uh, 9 that we studied from today, and he talked about, in verse 25, in seven weeks plus 60 in two weeks. And since there's no break, you wonder, why well, Why didn't you just say 69 weeks instead of 7 weeks and then 60 and 2 weeks? Why would you say that? Well, 7 weeks from 445 B.C. when Artaxerxes gave that decree, decree to rebuild Jerusalem and the walls and the streets thereof. Which was different than the other ones that said just rebuild the temple. And the Bible said in Daniel 9 to rebuild all of that. We found that we have there at 445 BC the first seven weeks 49 years you subtract that what do you get down to? You get down around 397 or 396 BC. And so you have the end of the Old Testament Scriptures. Nothing will happen over those next almost 400 years until Jesus comes and the Messiah is cut off. And so we have the seven weeks to show us that the scriptures end right there. The Old Testament scripture. That's very important. Because the Catholics come up with the Apocrypha. And I've even heard some Christians say. Well doesn't that need to be part of the Bible? No. No. And especially when they didn't add it until about 1500 AD. So I, I kind of think that's kind of crazy to do that. But. You have people today saying, well, we found all these documents back in the 1800s, and we think it should be part of the Bible too, all these manuscripts. No. No. Does that mean that we didn't have the manuscripts until 1800, that the Bible, what they had for all those hundreds of years didn't matter, that it was wrong? I mean, let's, let's just use some common sense about it. And and the Bible is a preserved Word of God. We have the Word of God. It is preserved. And we don't have to go around and search all these other scriptures. I've put out a a letter to missionaries when they ask if they can come and present their ministry seeking support. And one of the questions is, how do you see the Bible as preserved and so forth like that? And some said, I've had some say, we see it preserved in all the manuscripts. I don't rebuke them. I just don't invite them. Okay. And so that's, that's the way we go on that. Okay. So, so when a new one comes out and says that, uh, we want to stick with the word of God. We want to stick with God's will, God's way. So again, we have that. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15 says to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And of course... Uh, The book of Timothy is addressed to a pastor, but it's not for pastors only. We should all study the Word of God. Why? Because that's how we get to know the person of our Lord. That's why it's so important that when you start to read the Bible each day, Lord, help me to know your person. Help me to understand what I'm reading here, but help me to know your person through this. Help me to know what you'd have me to know. I told you, I started in 1974 reading the Bible through and doing it year after year after year, probably 50 times at least. And what I'm saying is this. Even in reading all those times through the word of God. Every year I go through it, I see so many more things God shows me. Because this dummy wasn't ready to take those things into other times I read, okay? So again, uh, it's a growing time. This is an eternal book. It's a supernatural book. It's not a book that you go to Books of Maine and buy it off the shelf because it's the latest bestseller. No, this book is God's book. Now, sometimes we like to say, well, Paul says, and Moses said, and, and, and Peter says, and that's fine. I understand where you're coming from, but let's not get that mixed up. Holy men, first, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, God breathed out every word. That's why in 2 Timothy 3:16, all scripture, after all scripture is given by inspiration. That means God breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, if we've got errors in it, then how can we trust it? How can we trust the way of salvation if it has errors? You get into most Bible versions, and they'll have either in brackets, or, or and it's going to be in next week's pastor's notes, so my mind's up to date on that, okay? But it'll be in most pastor's notes, it'll be in my pastor's notes next week, but in most Bibles will either be in brackets or just left out completely is Matthew 18, 11. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now, these people say they never left out any doctrine that was important. Is that important that the Son of Man came to save that which was lost? I think it is. No, correction. I know it is. I know it is. And I know it is by the Word of God. So all Scripture is given by inspiration. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God may be Thoroughly furnished, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The pastor has a responsibility. To preach philosophy? No. To preach psychology? No. To preach the latest contemporary thoughts? No. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. That's what we're told to do. Preach the Word. That's our responsibility. And so in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, he's given us his word. He breathed out every word. So I don't say that Peter said, Paul said, or whoever else said. God said through their pen. Now, there are are professors that get upset. I've met them. I've talked to them. Oh, well, wait a minute. Now, you're saying these people had no mind. No, they had a mind, but they had a good enough mind to write down what God said instead of what they thought. And so you you have these folks you say, no, God just directed their thinking. But they wrote down, and it's their personality that's in there. Now, they always have trouble. A lot of them say, well, Paul wasn't the one that penned the book of Hebrews because it doesn't fit his writing style. None of the books fit his writing style. They were each word breathed out by God. Now, you either believe that or you can't say both. Okay, you can't say, well, it's both. It's one or the other. Is that common sense? Or or do we have to dumb it down some more? You know, I mean, for some, you do have to dumb that down. Look, common sense says it can't be both. It's got to be one or the other. In Matthew chapter 5. Now, a lot of people kind of have a problem. Well, let me go to... Uh, Psalms 12, then I go to Matthew chapter 5. In, In Psalms chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words. Why? Because every word is God breathed. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt Preserve them from this generation forever. You know why that's important? God, the wisdom and the knowledge of God is so great. When people first coming out, came out, start talking about the preservation of the scriptures. You know what some said? Well, yes, but you got to understand, it's Psalms 119, 89 that's so important. Forever, O oh Lord, that word is preserved in heaven. They said, it's in heaven, but not on earth. Um, th- does heaven have generations? I mean, do people get born and then they bear children? Then they bear children? No. This generation's right here on earth. The generation, He's preserved it from this generation and forever. Now, that's not my words, those are God's words. Now, Let's go over to see Jesus' words in Matthew chapter five and uh, verses. Um, oh, that's Zechariah. I don't think we'll find it there. But, uh, Matthew chapter five, verses seventeen and eighteen. Think not, Jesus said. These are His words exactly. Think not that I am come to destroy the law, nor the prophets. I am come not. I, I am not come to destroy. But to fulfill. How many times have you heard people say. uh, Well God did away with the law. No he fulfilled it. Didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. If he did not fulfill it. Then I would still be obligated. And so would you. He fulfilled it. Then he says. For verily I say unto you. Till heaven and earth pass. One job. Or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. A jot or tittle is almost like saying a comma. Cross of a T or something of that nature. In other words, it is something that is a very small punctuation mark. But God, God, the Lord, Jesus Christ said that not one would pass away. He said heaven and earth would pass away before it does. So that brings a question. Has heaven and earth passed away? Think about it. (laughs) Okay, No, it hasn't passed away. And if heaven and earth hasn't passed away, then this word is preserved. Because Jesus said so. I know that that goes against what a lot of people think. But it doesn't go against what God thinks. And it's his thoughts that count. Now, so we know by the word of God that we have it here. Now, it's people say well what about in spanish what about in portuguese what about look we're not talking about english we're talking about manuscripts the the masoretic the textus receptus are the right manuscripts they stood the test of time some said well those other manuscripts are older yes but no yes they have <clears throat> some older manuscripts because they were never used Except the ones they found were missing half of the pages because they were burning them, using them for fire to stay warm. On the other hand, this Texas receptors is older because although we don't have the manuscripts, we do have readings from the early church. In over 2000, you say, what do you mean readings from the early church? Well,. For whatever reason, they wrote down the things of their church services. And they would write out the scriptures given by these apostles for the New Testament church service. In over 2,000 cases, over 2,000, every time it's what we get our text receptance from, that which is older than their manuscripts. Not one time is any of their manuscripts in those early church services. Does that tell you anything? And see, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm trying to say, I want to say the exact opposite of that. I want you to think how, I guess how dumb. So you can't say it any other way. How dumb it is. To have the proof about you and still deny it. Some people deny it because their favorite preacher, their favorite college or favorite professor whatever said something different. Again, there are men, I couldn't even begin to shine their shoes. But when they disagree with God, I agree with the word of God. I agree with the Lord. Now, we have the word of God. It is preserved for us. And since we have the word of God and it's preserved and we know by Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit the The joints, the bones, the marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and even the intents of the heart. This word is going to be that by which we're judged. Now, you can ignore reading the word of God. You can ignore thinking on the word of God. Or you can be just satisfied getting a daily devotional book. Look, we have the days of praise out there besides the devotions that I write for you in the bulletins. And and we have those, but those don't replace the Word of God. And, and those have one or two verses with the rest of it talking about it. If you go like that. The 1189 chapters, it's going to take you a while to get through the Bible. A verse of the day. Nothing wrong with devotionals. I, I have three different devotional booklets that I read. I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying, though, the primary thing is the Word of God. It's primary. Now, I know that He's preserved it, that He breathed out every word. But he's also said, it's by this word I'm going to be judged. So if I'm going to be judged by this word, and he breathed out this word, and the word is available for me, it is no excuse I ignore it and don't read it. It's no excuse that I don't meditate in his word. There, that's no excuse. It won't hold up before the throne of God. When, if you're saved and you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you say, well, Lord, I didn't know that. I believe that there are going to be people at the judgment seat of Christ who will not know that they were called to a mission field simply because they didn't seek. See, the Lord doesn't want to cast pearls before swine. And if we will mishandle the will of God that is precious, then he's not going to reveal it to us until it's in our heart to seek it. You want to know the will of God for your life. And and see, too often we're reactive instead of proactive. Uh, what I mean by that is this. Sometimes people do things that are not good for them healthy, health-wise, and you know that wouldn't be good for them. They should know it's not good for them. But finally they end up in a hospital and they're having surgery. That's reactive. Proactive is doing the things so you don't get to that point. Okay? Every one of us in this lifetime, we're going to deal with things that we know are coming. We know death comes. Uh, Sometimes it's the death of your child. And most people think, I never thought I'd die before my child. The death of a spouse when just a part of you dies. And we could go on to talk about the different things that happen in life. All of a sudden to lose all that you have. Reactive starts saying, Oh, I need help. I need help. Somebody help me. Please help me. Proactive is you're in the Word of God and the help is there for you already. You've been in the Word of God. You've been meditating on it. You've been praying on it daily. Now, we put these out tonight because I wanted you to be able to have those. I did not really plan to preach this. I, another, so I was going over the other sermon before uh, services tonight. I went over and I was praying over that sermon and everything. says, said, oh, this is the sermon God wants me to preach. God in here, looked at you folks and said, oh, that's not the sermon God wants me to preach, okay? <laughs> not really. Uh, but uh, I, I, did, I did preach over, pray over. I did go through it. I worked on that thing. And I do that every day. I mean, tomorrow I'll be going over the sermons for next Sunday. My Sunday school lesson for next Sunday, I'll start that in the morning. But what I'm saying to you is here we have 36 weeks. Something that will take you probably 30 minutes today at the most if you just read it. If you decide, Lord, show me what this means, and you're going to think on it, it'll take you a little bit longer. But you know what? I'm afraid that there's some Christians going to have to stand before the Lord and say... Why did you have two hours for Facebook, but you didn't have 30 minutes for the Word of God? Why did you have all that time to watch a football game, but you didn't have any time to be in the Word of God in prayer? Now, we can make excuses and we can say all that we want to, but really, before the Lord, that's just going to come out and show the insanity of even thinking that way. When I challenge you to re- read the word of God through. There's a couple things that go into that. Number one. It's because I've done it. And I know what it does for me. I know through the greatest trials and tribulations of my own life. How it was the word of God that always sustained. But I also know. I also know. That for you if you get into it you'll begin to grow and I find that people that get into the word of God and will believe it instead of questioning it they'll believe it and seek to understand it they become the best church members so I guess I'm being selfish because their love for the Lord begins to grow and then they become instead of being those that are you bless me, they're going to be out there, what can I do to be a blessing? See, nobody is serving me, you're serving the Lord. I am, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, your servant for Christ's sake. other words, I'm carrying out his word as a servant of the Lord for your benefit. And my duty, number one, first and foremost, is to preach the word. That's why the apostles appointed deacons so that they'd give themselves to prayer and the study and the ministering of the word. I've got a responsibility to witness, I've got a responsibility to go out there just as you do. But I am not your hired gun to do your spiritual responsibility. God holds you accountable. I believe the first step is a two-step thing. First of all, commit to read the Bible through this year, this coming year. Secondly, you've got to commit to say, Lord, whatever you say to me, I'll do it. For him to speak to you, you've got to read it, you've got to meditate on it, you've got to think on it. And this then becomes personal because it's just between you and the Lord, the written word of God, Jesus, the living word. Therefore, when you're in the word of God, you're getting the thoughts of God, but you're also getting to know him in a personal way to know his person. Let me close with this. We did this wedding in here yesterday. John Andrew Bloom performed the marriage of John Andrew Bloom. How often does that happen? Okay. But um, they made that commitment. They love each other. But you know what? There's one thing that I can sit back and say. Ha ha, you guys only thought you knew one another. And and you realize soon that you really didn't know each other as much as you thought. That's all right. Because after the marriage, you go from infatuation to true love, and it grows. And it grows as you make it work together according to God's word. So what I'm saying is this. You'll grow and you'll grow. Seek to know his person just like in marriage. You want to get to know that person all the more after you're married to them. Well, and you get in the word of God, a whole new world opens to you. To know him so much better. Know him more intimately. Let's bow our heads please.